somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. And that's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. And, uh, you know, we're at a crossroads, and uh, we've been at one for quite some time. And I listen to the people over in Maricopa. I listen to them pleading and crying and just begging that their allies in government— fight for them, their representatives that they voted for, the ones that they chose, would would go to bat for them and fight for them against child predators and against open borders and against drug smuggling and against the, the atrocities that they're uh, experiencing every single day, particularly the voter fraud. We have elected officials in Congress that seem to be powerless. And in part because they've taken money from FTX and SBF, you know, Sam Bankman-Fried, they've sold out to Google and YouTube and uh, the old Twitter and Facebook. They've allowed infiltration and they've allowed this integration uh, between or coordination between government and private institutions. And they've done it for a reason. And again, this is not novel. This is not new. The Democrats did this with Jim Crow laws when they invented the Jim Crow laws. Democrats were the ones, if you look it up in Wikipedia, you look up Jim Crow laws. And what you'll find is that these were laws that were passed along, unconstitutional laws, would never have passed the smell test in our Constitution. But they were passed by state and local Democrat politicians throughout the South. And they came up with, you know, a Green Book, which is, again, a great movie, great Green Book. Um... But they were unconstitutional. 
But the way our Constitution works sometimes, things don't get challenged in court unless somebody sues somebody, if somebody challenges somebody. Then it can get tested or contested in court. But no one stepped up to do that because everybody was getting paid off to keep segregation flowing, to keep the business of slave labor flowing, to keep all of that intolerance flowing. So they had the Jim Crow laws in the South written up by state and local Democrats. And incidentally, in 1854, uh, the uh, Republican Party was established to abolish slavery. That was the sole purpose and reason for the Republican Party. It says so right, that, right out there in front of the Music Fund Hall on 10th and Locust Streets on, uh, in Philadelphia. And there's a placard put up by the city of Philadelphia in the year 2000 that states exactly that. And the, the first the per person who ran for office in 1856 lost. But the next candidate that the Republican Party put out there in 1860 won. His name was Abraham Lincoln. And it's just, it's, it's amazing how the Democrats have hijacked that, that. But the reason why I bring it up in this light is because corporation uh, governments have been using corporations or local business to to uh, carry out their water for unconstitutional laws for the longest time, and they've done it in so many different ways. Like they've done it to coerce. Like there's a politician, a liberal politician, that wants to defund city county counties. Governor, uh, Congressman Murphy, Democrat from uh, maybe Connecticut. I'll, I'll look it up. Uh, we're, we have a clip for him anyway. And he wants to defund counties that don't execute gun restrictions, red flag laws. If you don't participate in the red flag laws, we'll defund you. Well, that's kind of interesting, but that's exactly what Barack Hussein Obama did to cities using a Department of Homeland Security that we got after 9-11. Thank you very much. But I don't need that Patriot Act up my butt every day. You know, um, people eavesdropping on all my calls and allowing a, a lot of this this let it, let, uh, litigate, uh, legislation uh, to permeate through our social media and censor us. But... There it is. Uh, with uh, Obama, he, he said, if you're not a sanctuary city, you're not going to get the same kind of funding. If you're not a Department of Education that supports trans bathrooms, <laughs> never mind the fact that there's like point zero zero two of 1% of kids that would identify as trans and need a trans bathroom. And then someone smart said, why can't you just use the teacher's bathroom? <laughs> the teachers didn't want anything to do with that. Right? For for as small as that is, why make a whole bathroom? You know, because they, they want that image. They want that image of the man with the half dress 
on the bathroom stall. They want it around the door. So you're constantly faced with it. You're constantly, it's thrown in your face. This gaslighting is constantly thrown in your face. And that's what we see every day on Netflix or on commercials, you know, where they've flipped the populations upside down. They can't wait for populations to just permeate and do what they do naturally and organically. No. They got to put the square peg in the round hole and make you believe that up is down and left is right and so on and so forth. It's pathetic. And they gaslight you in every single way. Everything is a psyop. So what we have is we have Trudeau and Fauci lately talking about how great China's lockdowns were and how great China's uh, system, uh, how efficient China's uh, systems are. Trudeau said that, how efficient their systems are. They can get things done because they don't have to, they don't have to debate. <laughs> they just do. Of course, that's always great. It's always great to be in charge of the death panel when you're not the one dying, right? It's always great to be in charge of people's speech when uh, you get to say whatever you want, but they don't. It's always great to be a fact checker when the fact checkers are always right and you're always wrong, no matter if the fact checkers are some moronic, stupid person from India that doesn't even can't even read English. It doesn't matter the fact that they can look at a photograph and actually see that the, the tide hasn't risen in over 200 years based on the photograph that we see and the photograph from today. It doesn't matter like whether Mal- the Maldive Islands in 1980 said in one report that in 30 years these islands are going to be underwater. And now here it is 45 years later and they're building four new uh, airports on the island. You know, those flat little things near the sea level. <laughs> they've, lied, they've been lying to us. And no matter how many times you catch them in the lies, whether it's election fraud or whether it's uh, climate change or wh- whether Al Gore and his inconvenient truths, or whether it's COVID masks and lockdowns and all these other things that have proven to be false. They were the fact checkers. And people that wanted ivermectin and people that wanted hydroxychloroquine as treatments were denied them. And there were a lot of people that died as a result of it. Just so we could make globalist organizations, these private corporations, rich, like Pfizer. And like a lot of these other BlackRock-owned, Larry Fink-owned corporations, where if you boycott one, Larry Fink's still going to get rich because he owns both. If you boycott Pepsi, he owns both Pepsi and Coke. So it doesn't even matter. The people have been rendered powerless because of this monopoly, this monopoly that we're facing right now. And we're facing this monopoly. We see it firsthand in the abuse of power that these social media tech giants have, have, have gotten into. We've seen it with the decay of society. We've seen it with TikTok. 
what's allowed to be said in in China versus TikTok in America, it's a decay of society. Allowing your kids to get on TikTok and witness the things that are there is terrible. Terrible parenting there. So Dan Flynn, uh, writer that I am on a subscription with, um, who actually writes for uh, Leonora Cravota's organization, uh, American Spectator. He wrote this about Apple. He said, Apple allegedly threatening to remove Twitter from its app store. That's a big deal, folks. That's a really big deal. Can you imagine? I'm, I'm reading this using an Apple iPhone right now. And I got to tell you, it's um, I if if Apple does this, I'm going to trade in my phone. And I just bought the, you know, I just got the new 14 Pro. You know, brand spanking new phone, and I'm stuck with it now because if Apple does this, that's a bridge too far for me. If they take Twitter off the App Store, that's a bridge too far for me. That's just way too far. But Apple allegedly threatening to remove Twitter from its app store speaks to the need to break up tech monopolies or in the case of the apps, uh, app stores of Apple and Google, duopolies. The federal government did so with NBC Radio despite it owning a smaller market share than either Apple or Google when it forced its blue network which became ABC, to split off from the parent company during the early 1940s. Small numbers of people should not wield such power over massive numbers of people. Aside from this, carrying out the alleged threat would represent restraint of trade. So that's a very good point. I read that and I thought to myself how brilliant that was. But there's a lot of things going on here. So uh, it says here, <clears throat> the uh, Last Refuge, Sundance, uh, the conservativetreehouse.com. Twitter CEO Elon Musk says he will publicly reveal Twitter's files on the free speech, on free speech and applies coordination with government. So... Here it is. It says that said the Elon Musk said this, the Twitter files on free speech suppression soon to be published on Twitter itself. The public deserves to know what really happened. Lex Freeman wrote, Apple should support free speech. Michael Saylor, monopoly should be subjected, be subject to the same limits we are placed on our government in the Bill of Rights. I've been saying, I've been saying that for a long time. Make no law abridging the freedom of speech or of the press, especially with social media and big tech, or the right of the people peacefully, peace, peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. And Elon Musk responded then and said, absolutely, especially if done in collusion with the government, right? And that's what's happening here, is he sees the stuff. He's sort of like the Donald Trump of social media now. Elon Musk has become that. Even though his politics are probably a lot different than Donald Trump's. 
and he's supporting you know electric vehicles obviously he's he's he voted for joe biden elon musk did he uh, which you know and i only say that because he tweeted that out elon musk tweeted that he voted for joe biden okay so it's 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 from the horse's mouth it's hard to believe that someone could be that stupid and that smart at the same time but that's what happened it's not a secret that the FBI and U.S. Department of Homeland Security offices were in partnership with Twitter. Much has been written about the D, how DHS collaborated with the platform on the definitions and removals of material adverse to their interests. When Musk used the word files, he is probably referencing a set of guidelines from the U.S. government to Twitter for content enforcement. We see a lot of shocked faces around that as if people are only just discovering the issue. The general surprise seems rather weird. What I'm thinking about right now when I read that is I'm I'm thinking about Jack Dorsey sitting there in a committee with a nose ring in his face and lying to the American people and the senators and the congressmen knew full well what the documents were because they wrote them. So that was nothing but a charade. And everybody knew that they were going to talk out of both sides of their mouth and that they were never going to be brought uh, before a judge uh, like Steve Bannon was for um, uh, not telling the whole truth. And, you know, where's their punishment? Where's the, why the double standard, right? All because they want to censor and control speech. It used to be that this was like, clandestine operation out of the CIA and they used to call it the Mockingbird Media. And now it's just out in the open. Ever since Obama took power, this is what's been going on. Uh, Obama was successful in weaponizing uh, government because the people that work in government are typically liberals. And liberals have no conscience, no no, uh, principles whatsoever. None. They allow their politics and their progressive ideology to rule their own judgments. It is worth remembering when Twitter became a tool of the U.S. government. It was back during the 2011 Arab Spring, specifically the events in Egypt, when members of the Obama administration first solicited Jack Dorsey and Mark Zuckerberg for help. The U.S. State Department goal was to use these social media platforms as a way to citi- for citizens in Egypt and Libya to organize when the government was trying to put down protests. Well, I look at it differently than that. I see where they were destabilizing Mubarak to install a Muslim Brotherhood guy named Morsi in Egypt. And they were also uh, ousting Gaddafi and setting up Benghazi. And then when, when that went down, Uh, They were positioning pipelines going out of Iraq uh, that were destabilized because Bush went into Iraq with no exit strategy. So we beat the crap out of Iraq. There was a bunch of oil that was just sitting there. And who was going to control it? Well, of course, there's a lot of money in that. So politicians got together and they formed a mercenary group. And it was an offshoot of Al-Qaeda and Mujahideen. And it was called ISIS. And that's why 
Obama called ISIS ISIL because he wanted to expand the landmass to Levant instead of in Sham because he knew that the Muslims are going to, the, the radical liberal Muslims were going to take over that region. And there was going to be a lot of money being made. Um, but then uh, that didn't work out so well because there was a lot of pushback on that. And ISIS did some things they probably shouldn't have done. They hurt their cause. Cutting off people's heads would be number one. Um, and it became a very difficult proposition. And when Trump went in, that's why he was able to take out ISIS in a day. Uh, because, you know, they were only in Syria to be a thorn in Russia's side because Russia, Syria is a puppet of Russia. And uh, the oil needed to flow through not just Turkey, but Syria into Europe. And not through just Libya, but Egypt into Africa. And that's what was going on. And then Israel lies squarely in the middle with Egypt to their south and Syria to their north. And then you got the refugee crisis. And they even milk that for all it's worth. So they create the crisis like they do on the southern border. And then the uh, aftermath is predictable. It's the refugees or the migrants, illegals, right? And they're all coming through. What are we going to do with them? We're going to treat, we're going to create them, create slaves out of them is what we're going to do. So Angela Merkel took in the lion's share of that. And that's why there's conflict between Italy right now and Germany. Because Germany, uh, Italy didn't want any piece of that, but Germany sort of did. But the German people are very upset about it. Uh, all the refugees that came in through Syria. And, What's interesting about that is you say, how are these people getting elected, right? How are they, if they're doing things that the people hate, why do they keep getting elected? Is it Kool-Aid that they're drinking? Is it PSYOPs? Is it weak-minded people? Is it that liberals will vote for a, a toaster if, if that's on the ballot? What is it? And I think it's election fraud. Because I, I think that there are more good people than there are bad people. And at this point, anybody who votes for Biden is a dumb, bad person. Because they didn't do their fact-finding. They believed CBS two years ago when they said that there was nothing to the Hunter Biden laptop. But then two years later, CBS admits that every Republican was right and that the laptop does is legit, and everything on it is legit, which means that all the sex and all the drugs and all the back shady deals and Bobolinsky's testimony is correct. And wouldn't that have changed the outcome of that election, no matter what the algorithm for cheating was? So while in the while the Middle East uprisings were essentially the beta test, everything in the relationship between government and those companies evolved toward domestic use. In the and isn't that what they did with the Patriot Act? And, and they did that in the Michael Brown shooting in Ferguson. Twitter and Facebook began promoting the "hands up, don't shoot" nonsense that was created for national media consumption. And of course, the NBA was big part of that. The NFL was a big part of that. And they all sell out to China. 
Twitter and Facebook. Um, so, so the national media consumption by the Black Lives Matter group. And from that moment, the public-private partnership was off to the races. I actually think that's really good analysis. I, I totally believe that. Fast forward a decade, and yes, now DHS is focused on domestic extremism as the greatest public threat. Uh, again, controlling speech that ruin, uh, runs counter to the interest of government is part of the continuum of the same relationship. It will be interesting to see what's in the files. Yeah, I, I, uh, I would think so. So we have a lot of clips that we want to share with you, and we're going to start um, with uh, we're going to start with the uh, the uh, privatization, uh, the Twitter situation, and uh, well, we actually I want to start with the China situation. There's an uprising in China, and people are holding up um, blank sheets of paper. Because if they hold up a real sheet, of, like a real protest sign, they'll be arrested like Otto Warmbier, and they'll be dead. Or they'll be thrown in a concentration camp like the Uyghur Muslims in China. And America says nothing about that, but, oh, you know, I'm going to wear my blue and yellow uh, Zelensky flag for money, money laundering because we know the money's going to the Democrats. Uh, through the laundering through FTX and and Sam Bankman Freed, but donate to Ukraine because you know that's that's yeah, big bad Russia. Russia did it, you know that's that kind of crazy foolish thought. So let's take a listen to this. This is um, uh, Kevin Cork talking about what's happening in China. I think it's really important. Whoop! Oh, whoa, whoa! We got to get our audio straight. There we go presence right now in Beijing. In fact, it started overnight and it was designed, it appears, to prevent a repeat of the previous evening, which of course saw rare and open dissent against President Xi Jinping's ongoing COVID zero tolerance restrictions in that country. Now, that response comes after protests erupted across 17 provinces over the weekend, with demonstrators calling for an end to the constant PCR testing and lockdowns. However, the Chinese government, as you pointed out, Steve, isn't backing away from the zero COVID drive. In fact, in Shanghai and Beijing, police there have stopped and searched people at sites of protests after crowds there and in other Chinese cities demonstrated against the stringent anti-COVID-19 measures. As for the White House's view of the ongoing unrest... Why is the White House's line that everybody has the right to peacefully protest and not the U.S. thinks it's bad to lock people up in their houses to stop COVID? We've we've made it clear, Peter, that uh, uh, a a lockdown is is not a policy that that, uh, we're... We're going to support here. Obviously, there are people in China that that have have concerns about that, and they're protesting that, and we believe they should be able to do that peacefully. Boy, critics really panning that response. Meanwhile, a reporter for the BBC, allegedly beaten and arrested covering the protests in China, his company issuing a statement which reads in part, we have had no official explanation or apology from Chinese authorities beyond a claim by the officials who later released him that they had arrested him for his own good in case he caught COVID from the crowd. We do not consider this a 
credible explanation. One of the true hazards of covering protests and unrest, especially in China. Uh, by the way, the uh, U.S. Embassy in China is warning this morning that lockdowns are likely to intensify there in the days ahead. So for if you're an American or you know an American traveling in that country, be forewarned. Guys? Yeah, you need about two weeks of supplies, they said. Pharmaceuticals, exactly food, right. drinks, because they like to weld you into your house or lock you in from the outside. Keep you there for four months. Kevin, thank you Thanks, very much. Kevin. On the, on the cover of the New York Post today, the headline uh, tells a whole story. It says simply point blank. You know, in China, uh, essentially, a protest sign can get you thrown in prison. So what are they doing? They're holding up blank pieces of paper. We've seen this around the world before. We saw it in Hong Kong back in uh, 2020. We've seen it. Um, we've seen it regarding the Ukrainian war and Russians aren't not allowed to protest. So they simply hold up a blank piece of paper. So when you that's kind of interesting, that blank piece of paper, uh, I thought that was pretty profound. Um, I want to also um, play this uh, clip here. This is uh, um, about oil, uh, where uh, Peter Ducey is asking Kirby about, you know, why are we drilling more in Venezuela and not here, right here in America? Which is a great question, because if it's about polluting the earth, if it's about environmental causes, where does it matter where you drill, right? It, It doesn't. So it's political because it's, if you're talking about one world, right, you're talking about pollution in the world, then, then it doesn't matter if it's drilled dirtier. And, and by the way, it's dirtier when they drill it in Venezuela. We have a lot more regulations in terms of um, environmental issues than Venezuela needs to have. All right. So it's dirtier to drill in Venezuela, but Venezuela is where we're going to be sending our American workers to drill. Why is it that President Biden would rather let U.S. companies drill for oil in Venezuela than here in the U.S.? That's uh, not an accurate take uh, on the president's view. Earlier this month, he said no more drilling. There is no more drilling. The president has issued 9,000 permits for drilling on U.S. federal lands, Peter, 9,000 of them being unused. There are plenty of opportunities for oil and gas companies to drill here in the United States. That's a really good reporter. Uh, but our next guest lost his job when the XL Keystone Pipeline was shut down. Neil Crabtree joins us right now live in the studio. Uh, nice to be here, Steve. Good to have you. Uh, so what do you make of John Kirby from the Pentagon saying, eh, 9,000 leases or permits are out there? Uh, I think it's a bit of a smoke and mirrors. Uh, uh, there's a huge difference between the government making leases available and actually uh, issuing the permits. Uh, there may be 9,000 spots that we could drill, but the same administration that's making the leases available also control the permits. And right now, the permitting process in this country is it's ridiculous. There's probably a dozen different agencies that have their hands in it, and any one of them can shut you down at any time. Uh, I would really like to see something done where one agency controlled the permitting for all energy projects in this country, but that's probably something that another president will have to tackle. Well, you know, on day one, uh, he essentially uh, got you fired by pulling the plug on the Keystone Pipeline, and now rather than 
produce oil here in the United States, expand production here in the United States, going to Venezuela, uh, and, and they're doing a process. Their, their infrastructure down there is shot. It's going to take like $50 billion to fix it up. We're going to get 20,000, 30,000 barrels a day, which is a drop in the world oil bucket. But he'd rather go there than talk to the governor of Oklahoma or Texas or South Dakota about increasing production. Uh, you're right about that, and that's probably one of the most frustrating things to me as a worker, you know, in this country is uh, uh, we're not going to get a lot of oil from them at the beginning, but it's the willingness of the administration to invest in another country, help build back their infrastructure, get them up and going. But uh, I guess when you support socialist ideas, you support socialist countries. It's not just that. Uh, it's a dictator. And when you look at the guy who's running the show over there, Mr. Maduro, I mean, look at that. Uh, opponents jailed, tortured, attacked. Yeah, it's terrible. And it's just it's just uh, it's certainly not America first. Um, there's one other story before we get back to the Twitter's uh, censorship story. OK, uh, because that uh, and also we want to get to Maricopa County. We have a lot of clips from people uh that had a lot to say about this election um over there because they they called it right you know that's what they did they called it so um but before we get to that there's another story that uh there's just so many stories to cover but the balenciaga story i heard andrew tate give this piece and this was brilliant analysis by andrew tate breaking down the balenciaga Situation now. That's where they're dressing up these children's dolls and S and M outfits and stuff like that. It's it's absolutely nuts. Listen to this take. This I believe is true, and I never thought about this until he he mentioned it. Um, so this is about Balenciaga and about what they're doing. They're basically testing you to see. If you'll go ahead and buy their products even after they've outed themselves, it's actually kind of an interesting thing because I think that it's that tactical strategy that's being done by the government. And that's they've been doing it that way with trial balloons. You've heard of the quote, the term trial balloons. Well, take a listen to this about Balenciaga. If it was done on purpose, which as we've just deciphered, it must have been, why are they doing this? And I don't think many people understand why a brand like Balenciaga would so openly show the world that they are trying to promote pedophilia. Tell them. I'll tell them why. So some could argue that they're trying to advertise it and encourage it. Normalize. Normalize. And that is the case. That is what they're trying to do. But it actually goes a level deeper than that. Satanists, people who worship Satan, believe in karmic retribution. They believe that they can suffer the consequence of lying and tricking you. So the very simple premise is this. If I sell poison apples and I write apples and you come and eat one, I poisoned you. But if I sell poison apples and I have a sign that says apples, they're poison and you come and eat one, you committed suicide. I haven't murdered you. You've committed suicide. That's That's what Satanists believe. Satanists believe by telling you what they're doing, they don't have any karmic retribution. I'm not responsible for the for the the constant. I'm not responsible for all the negative fallout from my actions. If they understood what I was doing and allowed me to do it, this is why they show you and tell you what they're doing. 
If I show you and tell you that we are pedophiles and you continue to buy our products, then you're supporting pedophilia and you are obviously okay with us being pedophiles. If I do it hidden behind your back, then you can argue and say, I didn't know they were pedophiles. But by showing you, I've shown you I'm a pedophile, you still want to wear my t-shirt. So obviously what I'm doing is okay. And this karmic retribution model and the way that Satanists view the world, and when I say Satanists, I genuinely mean people Satanists. who worship Real Satan. The people who are in charge of these brands and in charge of the Western world and in charge of the Matrix genuinely worship Satan. When you understand the idea of karmic retribution, you can apply that to so many scenarios. They're doing this with everything. Karmic retribution isn't just about Balenciaga. Let's look at the recent scam of COVID. They made it very clear to you it was bullshit. They made it very clear that the, the virus isn't going to hurt you. They made it clear that they didn't listen. They, made they it disobeyed the mask laws. Yeah, they made it very clear to you it was all stupid. So that when you still did it, they could say, ah, well. See, that's so true. They're taking that on the road. They're, they're taking that everywhere. Now, um, also, getting the free speech. Listen to this. This is this woman, Reuters. Andrea Shalal to uh, Jim Pierre on Elon Musk owning Twitter. There's a, a researcher at Stanford who says, this is a critical moment, ensuring Twitter does not become a vector for misinformation. What is misinformation? Is it Twitter or is it Zuckerberg? You know, which one is it? Is it do the Democrats have a monopoly on truth? I don't think so. Are you concerned about that and what tools do you have? All right, so she asked this question. Let's think. She says, very liberal-looking blonde woman that works for Reuters, Andrea Shalal, S-H-A-L-A-L, and she's asking this stupid, Gestapo-like, socialist question. Shame on Reuters for hiring her. The question about Twitter, um, you know, there's a researcher at Stanford who says that this is a critical moment, really, in terms of um, ensuring that Twitter does not become a vector for misinformation. I mean, are you concerned about the, you know, Elon Musk says there's more and more uh, subscribers coming online. Are you concerned about that? And what tools do you have? Who is it at the White House that is really keeping track of this? The question about Twitter. Um, you know, there's a... All right. And then here's the response. So, look, this is something that we're certainly uh, keeping an eye on. And uh, look, um, we, you know, we have always been very clear um, and that uh, when it comes to social media platforms, it is their responsibility uh, to make sure that um, when it comes to misinformation, when we when we comes to the hate that we're seeing, uh, that they they take action, that they continue uh, to take action. Again, we're all keeping a close eye on this. We're all uh, uh, monitoring uh, what's what's currently uh, occurring. And uh, we see, you know, we see it with our own eyes of, of what you all are reporting and just for, for ourselves what's happening on, on Twitter. Uh, but again, social media companies have a responsibility to prevent their platforms uh, from being used by any user uh, to incite violence, especially violence uh, directed at individual communities, as we have been seeing. And the president has been very clear on calling uh, that out. He'll continue to do that. Uh, and we're going to continue to monitor the situation. So basically, they're calling on Apple 
to punish Twitter because they can't. Uh, isn't that isn't that rich, right? Isn't that something? So let's take a listen to some of these um, cries for help uh, related to Carrie uh, Lake. Uh, here's a good one right here. Supervisor, I typically don't speak. Okay, so so what has happened? Uh, I should cue this up better. Um, what has happened really is that um, is is that the election was called. And it was pretty sad the way it was called. Listen to this real quick. Um, I found out today that I have no choice but to vote A or I will be arrested and charged with a felony. Ron Gould of the Mojave, Mojave County Board of Supervisors was told he would be arrested if he did not certify the election. Mojave was certified under duress. Um, I vote I under duress. Um, I found out today that I have no choice but to vote I or I'll be arrested and charged with a felony. Um, I don't think that that is what our founders had in mind when they used the democratic process to elect our leaders, our self, form of self-government. And I find that very disheartening. With your vote of four eyes and zero nays, you've approved item 1B. Anything else for the good of the order? And that's just like that. (laughs) Just like that, the election is settled. (laughs) Folks, did you hear that? It's uncanny. The amount of corruption that was involved in this. I represent uh, folks. I have an organization called Frontline America, and I also represent a media outlet, Real America's Voice News. We were denied entry along with my colleague, Jordan Conradson, to the election office. uh, And I figured this was an appropriate time to redress my grievance. I spend most of my time on the southern border exposing the invasion that's going on down there, especially here in Arizona and what's coming into our country. The biggest concern I have is if this election is certified, the only parties that will benefit from this are the cartels. Uh, They've taken over Mexico and sadly they've taken over many politicians in America. What we saw on election day was outrageous and to say that it was anything but that is Uh, Either you think we're stupid or you're just that arrogant. Uh, What we've seen from you in the election office and your response, very simple questions needed to be asked. 2020 was a disaster. How was 2022 worse? You cannot say that you can certify an election when half of the voting machines were down. Was it 1,000 people that were disenfranchised? Was it 10,000 of the people that were there in line or the people that didn't show up because they saw in the news the election machines didn't work? The fact that you've already made up your minds, you've already made the decision, this is, this is all semantics. All of us coming up here and speaking is semantics. You've already made your vote. You've already made this decision. You said the world is watching and you're right. They're watching and they're watching this disaster play out in front of them. You responded to the AG with the most, most pathetic, inept response I've ever seen. You have not redressed the grievances of these people. That is the question. And the answer that I hear from everyone across this room is, you cannot certify. So the question is, what is the remedy? The fact that you were on a pack that was going against Kerry Lake, as well as Richer, going against Kerry Lake, how can you say that there's no conflict of interest? You have a secretary of state running against a gubernatorial candidate. How can you say there's no conflict of interest? And then your machines go down on election day. It is absolutely outrageous. If you certify today, the only thing you'll be certifying is your corruption. Thank you. 
And, you know, that's true. FTX uh, was, uh, became like a super PAC that fun- funded a super PAC. Uh, it funded a super PAC, and, that, uh, and it was FTX money that funded the super PAC that funded Carrie, Carrie, uh, Katie Hobbs. So, you know, that's what was going on there. Um, here, we got another one. Um, well, before we, we have a lot, I have a lot of different clips there. I don't think we have enough time to play them all, uh, because ultimately also I want to play, um, the Tucker, uh, piece on Twitter. Um, uh, I also want to want you to hear this. Chris Murphy, Senate Democrat Senator Chris Murphy says, we have no, have to have a conversation about whether we can continue to fund the law, law enforcement in counties uh, and states which have declared themselves Second Amendment sanctuaries. Take a listen. I think the country is going to have to learn about what's going on in this country. The majority of counties in this country have declared that they are not going to enforce state and federal gun laws. They have decided that they are going to essentially refuse to implement laws that are on the books. Um, that is a growing problem in this country. And I think we're going to have to have a conversation about that in the United States Senate. Do we want to continue to supply funding to law enforcement in counties that refuse to implement state and federal gun laws? Red flag laws are wildly popular, right? You're just temporarily taking guns you, away from people that... Do you want to withhold money for law enforcement? I, I think we have to have a conversation about whether we can continue to fund uh, law enforcement in states where they are refusing to implement these gun laws. And I th- well, you know... She was, he was asked point blank, do you want to defund um, police departments over this? And he's like, I think we have to have a conversation. No, no. The answer is, yeah, that's it. That's his answer. That's his answer, not mine. But um, yeah, that's what he's saying, and basically. But he's a coward, and he doesn't want to say what he's truly thinking. And, and sadly, he just made the point for you. The majority of counties don't want to enforce these laws. What does that say about America? The majority of counties didn't vote Democrat. They voted Republican. Think about it. There's so much election fraud in this country, it's not even funny. Let's take a listen to this uh, open. uh, Tucker reacts to Elon Musk vowing to release Twitter files on free speech suppression, exposing the decision to censor the Hunter Biden laptop and conservatives' On the platform. Let's take a listen. As in China, social media in the United States are censored. That's not compatible with democracy. You can't have censorship in a democracy. A country that censors is not a democracy. Elon Musk, who's not from this country, knows that. He bought Twitter with the aim of stopping censorship and restoring free speech. He just said this. There's been a lot of censorship on Twitter, and we're going to find out what it is. Quote, the Twitter files on free speech suppression soon to be published on Twitter itself. The public deserves to know what really happened, end quote. So why shouldn't we know that? Why shouldn't we know who is shutting down free speech in a country that claims to be a democracy? Well, everybody in power is panicked over this. Apple is threatening to remove Twitter from its app store. So if Twitter no longer can get its app on the app store, there's no more Twitter because you access Twitter through the app. So they're essentially threatening to shut down Twitter. Meanwhile, the White House and the media are trying to convince you that the problem is not China throwing people in concentration camps, suppressing free speech. The problem is Elon Musk, who is trying to restore free speech. He's the evil one. Watch. 
it's amazing to watch someone like Elon Musk, who is such a um, he's such a child. You know, he's so immature. He needs attention all the time. And these guys with these money and this attention and these daddy issues. I'd say this libertarian nonsense is, is destructive to American national security. And he has got to reinstitute the same restrictions that were on Twitter before he bought it. When it comes to social media platforms, it is their responsibility uh, to make sure that um, when it comes to misinformation, when we when it comes to the hate that we're seeing, uh, that they, they take action. There's something very dangerous about him. He reminds me of a Bond villain. As I said, when the richest guy in the world buys a social media platform, it's just not a good equation. Uh, I think he's a dangerous fellow. And that sort of uh, speaks to how he's been governing over at Twitter. Not much transparency into what's going on, just really him uh, ruling by tweets. So you could deconstruct every single one of those statements. Here's the CIA officer, the guy who lied for a living, telling you we need more censorship. But they're not actually coming out against, quote, hate. What they're saying is, we decide what you can say and what you can in this democracy. And if you try to speak freely, we'll crush you. It's exactly what they're saying. Jason Whitlock is the host of Fearless. He has been relentlessly focused on the question of social media when most people were ignoring it for years, and we are honored to have him join us tonight. Jason Whitlock, thank you for coming on. So Elon Musk has suddenly ascended to the place that Saddam Hussein used to occupy as the most dangerous man in the world. What is his crime exactly? Uh, his crime is potentially ratting out the people that have been using Twitter and social media apps as mind control. And that is right. what exactly. they've been doing with Twitter. They've been controlling the narrative and what people are allowed to think. If you control what people are allowed to think long enough, you will eventually uh, control what they actually believe. Our thoughts right. lead to our beliefs. They've been controlling our thoughts through social media with their algorithms that suppress certain thoughts and uplift other thoughts. They've been controlling it by smearing people. If you raise questions, hey, I don't think the police are just out randomly killing black people. Well, here comes that Twitter algorithm to smear you as a racist and one of the worst people on the planet. Shut up. Don't say anything. Let's just go along with this narrative. Let's create. Let's put in people's minds that the police are out randomly killing black men. Therefore, these riots and the burning and looting of cities is justified. Everything that they think or they accuse Donald Trump of doing, he inspired, he justified the January 6th riots and all that. That's what they've been doing with Twitter, justifying riots and looting and violence and chaos and anarchy and the destruction of America for a decade over Twitter. You know, the only thing my concern is like Elon Musk almost sounds too good to be true, that there would actually be someone with that kind of money who would actually care to stop these people. Hats off to the man so far. I'm thoroughly impressed. I am, too. If he goes through with this, though, it sets a very bad precedent for the people in charge. It's like someone could come in and break the rules. Someone could think freely and say what he really believes like that could be contagious. Well, and, and I'm going to 
really irritate people and give someone credit that deserves credit for being the first domino. And it's really Donald Trump inspired this. He, he took on the establishment of fake news industry and upset the establishment and their narrative and control and started calling it fake news. And now they're what they're afraid of is like Trump through the force of his personality and opinions shook up the establishment. It sounds right. like Elon Musk wants to come with the actual receipts and justify everything that Trump has said over the last five to six years, and they just don't want the receipts put on display for everyone to see. That was excellent analysis by Jason Whitlock there. Um, I wanted to say this, uh, breaking uh, Twitter is no longer enforcing its COVID-19 misinformation policy. Twitter reports that since January 2020, 11.72 million accounts were challenged. 11... 1,230 accounts were suspended and 97,674 pieces of content were removed. But 11.72 million accounts were challenged. That's amazing. That's that COVID-19 misinformation report. Also, uh, Elon Musk tweeted these. This is a battle for the future of civilization. If free speech is lost, even in America, tyranny is all that lies ahead. Um, He also said, uh, this is a battle for the future of civilization. If free speech is lost, even in America. Oh, I just read that. I'm sorry. (laughs) Uh, We look forward to a world founded upon the four essential human freedoms. The first is freedom of speech and expression everywhere in the world. You know who said that? Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Okay, and Elon Musk tweeted that. Elon Musk also tweeted, Did you know Apple puts a secret 30% tax on everything you buy through the their app store? Uh, and so, you know, he's worried about that. Lex Freeman says Apple should support speech free speech. And also Elon Musk tweeted the Twitter files on free speech suppression soon to be published on Twitter itself. The public deserves to know what really happened. Um, Elon Musk also tweeted Apple should publish all censorship actions if it has taken that effect its customers. And of course the answer, that was a poll and the answer was overwhelmingly yes. Uh, Elon Musk also tweeted, Apple has also threatened to withhold Twitter from its app store, but won't tell us why. Can you believe that? Shame on Jim Cook. Tim Cook. Well, that brings us to the end of the Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today to the Scott Adams Show. Be sure to check out our partner, magapack.org. And make a donation over there to support Red State Talk Radio, America First Policies to Make America Great Again. Also, uh, use Red State over at MyPillow.com or you can go to MyPillow.com slash Red State and get to our splash page over on MyPillow. But uh, Red State is the promo code that we'd like you to use and it would help us out. And with that, my name's Scott Adams, and I'll see you next time on the radio. Bye-bye, buddy. We're a stand, the mound's getting steeper. They grab a shovel, dig the hole a little deeper. Just to bury my kids right up to there.